Welcome to another episode of the Trees and Lines podcast. This week, Dennis Fallon joined us on this episode to talk about the Utility Arbor Association, its new initiatives, and their certification program. Have a listen. Hope you enjoy. Well, welcome, Dennis. Appreciate your joining us today. Um, Why don't you take a minute and uh, tell us a little bit about your background, and uh, we'll get started. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate being able to come on here and speak with you guys today. Meet Tesh for the first time. So yeah, same it's exciting, exciting stuff. Yeah. So my background, uh, I started out in municipal forestry. I've got a degree in urban and community forestry. That was initially where I was headed. And uh, one summer, ended up with a job with uh, Northern States Power here locally, an investor-owned company that uh, is now known as Excel Energy. And started as a contract utility forester there, worked in that field for, I worked my way up, got hired on by the utility. By the time I left 24 years later, I was managing two operating companies, uh, comprehensive IVM, UVM programs, both uh, T and D and helping out other departments, generation and legal and all the other areas that might need veg input. Along the way, I picked up a master's degree in forestry as well. Did uh, my master's work in dysfunctional root systems. So uh, trees that prematurely fail obviously are of interest to folks that are in the utility space. Did that work along the way as well? And in August of 2021, I had an opportunity to move over to the Utility Arborist Association. Took a jump over here. So... Resident of Minnesota, lived in Minnesota most of my life, although I've bopped around the country and a little bit around the globe uh, prior to that, so a little bit of time in Europe. Yeah, very good. So, Tej, have you ever heard of dysfunctional root systems before? Uh, I haven't. Now, I know that I have them in my my yard, um, I think, because I can't get certain things to grow, but I'm joking, of course. Um, No, I haven't, but that's pretty pretty crazy. Like, Dennis, it's actually – in, as we've been chatting with people and I'm getting familiar with people in the industry, like I'm always pretty fascinated with not only people that have degrees in in sort of the, the subject matter, but also go on to get advanced degrees. So, I mean, did you always know, was this a very defined passion for you? Like early on as a kid, you're like, hey, I, I'm interested in the outdoors. I'm interested in the environment. I'm interested in impact. Um, I want to continue to focus on this or like many that I've spoken to, you kind of fell into it in some capacity. Like what, what was driving your passion into it, into the space? I always had a passion for the outdoors. That was, that's been, we were outdoor family. Uh, We spent some time, we have family property up near the Canadian border up Northern Minnesota on on the Canadian shield up there. So it spent a lot of time and it's water access only. You have to get, uh, you have to motor across or boat across to get into this place. And, I credit my mother really for forestry. There were six trees on the shoreline as you came up to the dock and she used to quiz us all. She was a nurse. She she just was passionate about the outdoors. And she used to quiz us all about these six trees or six different species there. And that was probably my first exposure to, wait a minute, not all trees are the same. And it was in the scouts. We were a scouting family. I'm an Eagle Scout. Did a lot of camping, spent a lot of time outside. Went to college, was, uh, I mentioned I had lived in Europe for a little bit, went to college, I was going to become a German major, be a German teacher, and 
I realized that I was inside way too much, and that fell through and went and poked my head around and found a forestry program and thought, boy, that sounds like a lot of fun, and I haven't looked back since. I've enjoyed it all the whole way. Not, not, not Phil, just one quick question. So not to, but like why German? Just curious. Well, I had lived in Austria for a year, just under a year. Wow. Okay. Right before it toured all around Europe, it would have been 87, 88 in that wheelhouse. So um, the Eastern Bloc was starting to be westernized, but yet the wall was still in place. Spent some time in East Germany and in, you know, what's, what was Czechoslovakia and Yugoslavia at the time, Hungary. Wow. Okay. Sorry, Phil. So you're like most of us. You got out of school. Had you, did you know anything about utility or arboriculture? No, negative, not at all. And it, it, we, uh, the agriculture professor that we had uh, was pretty good about bringing in guest speakers and bringing folks in and extra folks from around the community and in the area. And in fact, to this day, I still go down and see some professor emeritus right now, but I still go down and speak at the University of Minnesota. I just spoke there last week about utility of agriculture uh, with the with the local investor owned utility folks talking to the students about that. So we had a little bit of exposure. I had some preconceived notions that later, you know, once I was in the industry, I completely blew out of the water, different perspectives. But no, Phil, I, I didn't have much knowledge in the first place going into it. So I sent Tish the uh, latest news, whatever the UAA update is, that had a link to the video. Uh, the last one was done uh, out in the Pacific Northwest. Great video. So tell, why is the UAA doing those videos? Yeah, so really excited about these videos. We have three episodes that came out together. The one in the Pacific Northwest, Keep the Power Flowing. The whole idea was to try to bring awareness to the industry. You mentioned a lot of us have fallen into this industry, weren't aware of it, and by happenstance became aware of it. This is an intentional goal to try to draw external awareness in some of the mediums that are being used right now on the social media and the way folks are consuming information through video and through video product. The goal was to have these things less than 180 seconds. It was not designed to be a super informative, super in-depth. You're going to understand this process when you get done watching this video. It was more just to say, hey, look what's going on out here, draw awareness, and then hopefully people will find more content later or keep searching for more content. That particular one you mentioned, narrow the Pacific Northwest, we thought, you know, how do you tell the story of utility or arboriculture? There are so many avenues and so many niches and so many things that are going on all the time. And then to hold it under 180 seconds, how do we do that? So we decided to tell the tale of how do you go out and look for high-risk trees on your system and how does that process work? So in that video, you see the the system forester, Lorelai Phillips, get up in the helicopter and they're out scouting trees. And then once they identify something from the air, they've got to go down and validate, is this in fact a risk to our system? And if so, does it need to be mitigated? How will it be mitigated? And it goes through that process of identifying the tree all the way to mitigating the risk along the system. Dennis, so... Again, as, I, as I've talked to people and gotten more familiar with what I would call like more pioneer individuals, leaders of the space like yourself, I feel like everyone kind of has a philosophy, right, um, based on their body of work, their approach to arboriculture, utility, arboriculture, 
and just overall risk management and then the preservation of species. If you had to kind of define your philosophy in a statement as it relates to this whole space and your approach to things, what would it be? That's an interesting thought. If I had to define it, honestly, what immediately comes to mind is there's more common ground than people recognize. And a lot of times, you know, I came up in the industry, it was fairly decisive or divisive, excuse me, when I, when I first came in and everybody was in their own silos. The wildlife folks weren't talking to the foresters, the foresters weren't talking to the engineers. And if you had to cross paths, it was a lot of times their way or the highway kind of thing, or our way or the highway. And it's exciting because I don't know that we're in that space anymore. People are recognizing that we need all of these components are interactive. Then they, they need each other. They're interdependent. And having the ability to start to work across these different silos and these different work groups and understand where people are, that's a that's power. There's power there. And that really, I think, is the future for all of us is to begin to understand these different stakeholders and draw different stakeholders in early. So having that openness and finding that common ground and determining what needs to be done, what are our options to do it, how do we want to do it, that's where the value comes in. So that if I were to say that that's probably my space or how I would define it. Oh, that's that's very interesting. Um, yeah, that also kind of points to, <clears throat> excuse me, the overall evolution <clears throat> of the space, the development of the program. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about, you know, the UAA, you know, your, your role, um, and some of your plans. Oh, happy to. That's one exciting thing about the UAA. We would, you know, that segue from the philosophy piece goes really well because the UAA is one of those organizations that transcends the industry and it finds those things that transcend competitive bounds and different spaces and tries to pull them together and help people make those decisions, get the education, the information that are out there. We've got 5,000 members, uh, individuals are members uh, versus over a company membership, for example. The individual members, over 5,000 folks that are coming in from 24 different countries, predominantly North America. However, we're growing outside the North American footprint. The board took a strategic uh, move last year and eliminated the geographic bound from the vision statement. So it it really is going to be the leader in in uh, integrative vegetation management. In vegetation management is the organization's drive. It, we put committees together. The committees are the the powerhouse of the organization, right? They really are the engine of the organization. It's the volunteers that come in and work on complex issues and try to figure out how do we best raise the bar. What are best management practices? What are the correct standards? How do we define things we need to define? How do we work through complex problems and what what opportunities are out there? What supports out there? So it's it's an exciting group to be a part of. And then there's a lot uh, going on behind the curtain, the tremendous amount of stuff going on. So it's it's a lot of fun. Dennis, I'm always amazed at how many leaders of the industry step up, whether it's on the committees or the board. Um, people that have no more time than anyone else, but they commit the time. I saw where you have the uh, nominations for board open. Tell us a little bit about what you're looking for. Yeah, nominations open up on May 1st. We've got two board director slots that are available, and um, the vice president role is, is an opening that's also available. So it's, uh, it's a great time. We're always looking for diverse people, diverse school of thought to get broaden our bench out there and get more people involved. 
this is uh, this will run a little bit you know, a month or so on a nomination piece. We'll try to draw in some good candidates. and nominating committee will put together a, a ballot for the organization. Look at some gap analysis and do some review for the for the board to figure out how to best serve the uh, the membership, and then try to invite those folks in and put it out to the members to vote who they want to have represent themselves. So if folks are interested, now is a great time to, to get out there and get yourself involved, find a role that you can kind of come in and help out, bring your passion to the table. There's a lot of passionate industry leaders that are there. The other thing that's open right now as well is uh, awards. We've got awards nominations that are out there as well, UAA awards that will be awarded at Trees and Utilities this year. That that's always a great thing. Like mention all those volunteers. If you know somebody who's been working hard and putting a lot of effort in, nominate them for an award. No, that's great. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good to know, um, Phil. We're gonna have to go through go through our list and figure see out who to nominate. Uh, yeah, good yeah, idea. to nominate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Go ahead, Phil. Sorry, Dennis. Uh, one of the recent things, the UAA uh, credential program. Uh, I think it's tied to the UW-Stephen Point uh, program that's being offered. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you bet. There's a pro-UVM, pro-utility vegetation management uh, certification out there that's predicated off a certificate program at the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. And there's two certificates in that program. There's the Fundamentals of Utility Vegetation Management, and then there's the uh, Utility Vegetation Management Professional Certificate. And those are broken in. There's five courses, five college-level courses that are run into the uh, to the first certificate and then three courses in that second certificate. And after completion of those two certificates, then the Board of Governors will review uh, candidates and put them up for this uh, the professional credit, uh, certification, the pro-UVM certification. What's unique about that program at Stevens Point is not only is it college level, lots of project management, lots about the system and how the, the, the grid works and stakeholders and engagement and safety, all the key things that someone's going to need to be able to run a whole veg program. And that's the outcome is the folks that are coming through this program are really demonstrating the ability to run an entire program, stem to stern, uh, across a, whatever territory they're going to have or whatever program that they need to have. So the skill set's outstanding. It's an asynchronistic program, and so you can run at any time. You don't have to call in at three o'clock on Tuesday to be at a at a uh, a lecture, and it runs based on cohorts. So the cohort is a group of individuals that are working together through the class, and they learn from each other. What's really unique is the fact that you've got people from all over the country, well, actually all over U.S. and Canada so far. The people have been participating mainly in this, and they. Um, they work from each other, learn from each other. So it's a professional development opportunity as well in a huge way because you're learning from perspectives, people outside your own bubble that are dealing with the same challenges you're dealing with and may have different perspectives or different ways to go about that. So you get a lot more information from a peer-to-peer learning opportunity, which is pretty powerful stuff. So the idea, what we're growing so fast, you know, where do you find managers to take these leadership roles? when they're entry level and this uh, whole program, the structure was to give them the equivalent of what they get from, you know, maybe 12, 15 years of on the job training and different capacities. So it's a great program. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. It's exciting. It's still looking for more folks to get through. Uh, we're starting to see uh, contractors add this into their uh, scales and add it as, as a role. If somebody with this credential can come in and offer services uh, for a utility. We're seeing utilities use it for professional development. It's about a two-year commitment. It's uh, it's no cakewalk. It's not an easy thing to pull together. It's been described as an MBA in, in utility vegetation management. It, to my knowledge, it's the first time anybody's taken at a collegiate level the UVM philosophies and laid it out in a structure where you can go through and learn it um, learn it directly in that in that way or that capacity. So I'm not familiar with any other college course out there to, for UVM managers. We talked a little bit about your academic experience, but where I know you cut your teeth at Excel Energy, right? Um, maybe you can just give us a quick professional snapshot of, you know, your journey, the different roles that you kind of took, in, in, you know, in the sector and kind of your path to a leadership role in the UAA and what really kind of drove that. Yeah, absolutely. So I came in fresh out of college as an urban and community forester, familiar with municipal forestry, and was hired on by a contracting company. So I came in as a contract uh, forester, contract utility forester. It brought in specifically at the time to run customer tickets was the kind of the main thing, and look at those, help set up construction jobs, uh, any any system improvements that were going to involve trees, do some work with the, the tree crews, try to set crews up for um, observation, do crew observations, and those kind of things. Spent a few years doing that. Uh, the more that you learn, the more that you advance the, uh, the skill set. So like the construction jobs were a big driver, understanding the equipment, understanding how construction and design and all that came into play. Opportunity came around for the uh, the contracts changed. We got hired on, a group of us got hired on by the utility directly as utility foresters. When in that role expanded again, kind of opportunity and geography continued to expand. I went from you know a handful of municipalities to all of a sudden I had a major portion of the Minnesota metro area and the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul area, which then eventually grew, continued to grow. Responsibility went from uh, strictly distribution uh, into some other areas. Merger and acquisition, my title changed a half a dozen times uh, along the way, I, or something like that. I don't know how many. I continued to pick up territories, uh, moved into, went from just a metro area into all of a sudden now I had two states and uh, I was covering Wisconsin and Upper Peninsula of Michigan, living in Minnesota. So I operated in two states and lived in the third oh, kind of deal. Spent yep. about 600 miles a week behind the wheel of a of a pickup truck going out to sea cruise. Picked up transmission operations along the way in IVM. That morphed into a, a manager's role where in a five-state area, same thing, you know, continue to add on, uh, bolt on responsibilities and pieces. And then um, uh, the UAA uh, executive director position popped up and, like any utility arborist who sees something that looks like an insurmountable challenge, they thought, I don't have a snowball's chance in hell at this job, but why not? I'm going to throw a ring at it, throw a, throw a, a marker out there and see what happens. And and I did. And the rest is history. It's been a great learning experience. It was an opportunity to expand into one of the my passion areas, which is, you know, helping others and trying to help other people and figuring out what people need. So that's what the UAA you know, in my mind really does is help people find that information they need, find a network, find resources, 
So it's, it's exciting. Yeah. Hey, Dennis, uh, everybody, you know, so many of our people come in as contract foresters like you did, and they're wanting to someday follow your track. And they think maybe they don't have a realistic perception of time. Uh, how long did it take you to go from contract forester to the manager of five states? Well, that was a course of probably 15 years or better in that wheelhouse. You know, that said, though, I went from contract forester to hired by the utility in a two to three years. And then for that utility forester role into what was at the time called a coordinator role, which would be equivalent to a program manager role today, I think is kind of the current titles they use out there or system not quite system forester, but forester role, uh, in covering the multiple geographies, that was only a matter of five years, five to seven years. And then, like I said, merger and acquisition, um, went from Northern States Power to doing businesses, Excel Energy, and the different operating companies merged together. That always comes with uh, reorganization and moved through there. So survived a couple of reorgs and continue to learn as I went. So that was the goal for me was um, I'm always eager to learn more. And I guess that would be if, if I were to say give it any contract forester advice about where they want to go or how they want to advance, if that's their interest is to move up, continue to learn. Look for opportunities to do something you're not doing right now, whether that's you know different transmission, distribution, different areas of the operation, construction, capital work, all of these things, learning about budgets, learning safety. The more you can expand, I, I used to have a peer in the industry who he said he didn't really care what his job title was, just call me an essential employee. <laughs> oh, man, I like that. I, I really like that. Wow. <laughs> That's really good. Um, Dennis, just going back to something, I'm just curious. You know, you mentioned that, I didn't know this, but the UAA has representation from 24 countries, I think you said, right? Yeah, correct. Um, Globally, do you feel that the UAA is the most advanced organization that um, that touches arboriculture, UVM, all the core things? Or are there sister or brother organizations globally that you guys partner with and that you are also like, you know, grabbing sort of uh, thought leadership from ideas from who else is out there globally doing something that has impressed you? Yeah, so from an arboriculture standpoint, globally, you know, the International Society of Arboriculture, probably one of the key folks that are key groups that are out there. The Society of Municipal Arborists, uh, another big group. From an IVM or a utility UVM space, UVM looking space. about that, UVM, you've got the UAAA, the Utility Arborist Association of Australia, which includes New Zealand and that footprint. Um, you've got the UVMA in Canada is another uh, group that we work closely with, uh, pro-UVM up in Canada as well. So there are other affiliates that we're working with. And, and when you describe it as, you know, working with those thought leadership, that's really what we're trying to do is expand out and, and understand those areas. I, uh, I'm no diplomat by, you know, by any means. At the same time, you know, I spent a little bit of time bouncing around the world and um, live close enough to Canada, you know, one of the things we're working on, I guess one of my strategies is I don't, we don't understand these areas. We need to understand our culture well enough before we start to try to integrate or move into those spaces. 
So one of the things we've got going at the UAA right now is a Canadian task force. And it's a group of Canadians that are active in the UAA, but also active in UVMA and these other organizations to try to identify for us, are there opportunities where we can help strengthen and broaden the field and work together out there? What are the things we need to know and could know? And Tez, you mentioned you're a Canadian. A lot of folks don't realize that you know Canada is not just another state. It's a completely different country, and it really oh, is. Yeah. It'd be easy, yeah. easy to access. No, different, different culture and, and different rules and different regulatory pieces. And you have to be respectful for that. Understand that, and you know find the way to work together in these spaces. So I think that's the strength. That's I think that philosophy, and I'm not the only one who's had it. You know, our predecessors had it as well. I think that's why we're seeing expansion into other countries is recognizing that, you know, here's how we're doing it. We want to share. We also want to learn and we want to be able to expand everybody's knowledge. You know, you bring up something that I find very fascinating as even as you move throughout the United States, uh, state to state, utility to utility, footprint to footprint. I've been so amazed by how the philosophies vary. The constraints are different. Uh, the approaches are so varied. And so I just see a lot of opportunity for your organization to help continue to bring people in this industry together because I think I also feel, even in the short amount of time that I've been touching the space, I see a shift um, and a desire by more people, even in that period, to be curious about what a peer utility might be doing you know, you know, from the Midwest to the East Coast or to the West Coast, they're like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Why would you guys do that? Under what conditions were you thinking about that? Um, because there's so many variables. There's capital, right? You need money to support these programs. We've seen an expansion of budgets focused specifically on UVM, right, within the utility portfolio. So those are all indications to me that executive leadership at various organizations are is starting to prioritize you know, this, this industry, this very kind of what has been historically a very niche industry um, is, is kind of coming front and center and is getting its kind of due attention. So it's an exciting time and process. And, and I think, you know, while you're at the helm of this organization, um, you know, really great to see all of this start to synthesize together. It's just going to be pretty cool to watch that continued evolution. I, I absolutely agree. That's, one of the things that we're really successful with right now has been those regional meetings and putting those regional meetings. We've got three safety summits coming on uh, this year alone, and those safety summits are regional areas with regional concerns, but drawing in larger folks to, to be able to come in and have that perspective from other people's perspectives and, and share from each other. We've got a handful of uh, regional meetings that occur you know, on the East Coast and on the West Coast and in the center of the country to draw in that the folks that locally, especially folks that can't travel to the national meetings. And then we've got the national meetings as well, the Trees and Utilities, you know, the pinnacle of uh, the UVM experience. And, and oh, it's uh, awesome. Yeah, we're I, almost I attended... sold out. The show floor is almost sold out. I'm excited. Yeah, we're uh, doing a great job with us. Oh, yeah. we had, I attended my first one, uh, I think it was in Milwaukee, right, Phil? We were in yes, Milwaukee. that's right. right. Yeah, and it was, it was awesome. It was really, um, I think it's such a great, time and you get to meet a lot of interesting people and i think the attendees as well as obviously the organization like you guys that are kind of setting it up leading the whole thing it comes together very nicely it's one of the best industry things i've ever attended oh thanks for that the uh it's you mentioned the exciting time and i mean that's the best way to, to characterize it too because i think there's an open-mindedness 
out there now that is better than it's been in a long time and it's just continuing to grow and folks are really looking to learn from each other it's not as divisive as it used to be around these concepts and it's okay that you know how we got here got us here but how do we go to where we want to go and how do we keep taking it up a notch and there's a there's a utility arborist in every community and sometimes more than one and not a lot of people know that so it's it's a great time maybe as we close Dennis you know you got 5,000 members a lot of people that uh, are in the industry that should be members anything particular you want to leave them with yeah well we'd always welcome new members bring people in one of the areas right now working in is um you know you talk about expanding out the areas looking at other linear management core you know folks that manage linear corridors the other you know pipeline uh folks that are managing road roadways and these kinds of things a lot of similarities, a lot of information we can share there. Municipalities, the the soapbox I keep getting up and down off of uh, often, and you'll hear me do it, and probably has roots back into the fact that I cut my teeth in the municipal side of it. But there isn't an urban and community forest canopy out there that doesn't have a utility forest canopy in it. So it's about time that we start working together. We're making a lot of strides working with the uh, SMA and ISA and Arbor Day and these other groups and trying to broaden our horizons, get into those spaces. So I would encourage folks from what me have historically been perceived as outside the industry to come in and see what we've got going. The The barrier to entry, our, our, our dues are ridiculously low. I mean, $40 a year is, uh, the magazine is worth more than that. So come on in, check it out, see what's going on. The other thing I'd throw out there, Phil, you know, about 10% of our membership are students. And uh, we're gaining students from all over the place. I'll, I'll let you in on a not so well kept secret, but not one that's recognized very well. Is it's free? Students are free, so you uh, sign up, prove that you're uh, in a in a uh, post secondary enrollment course uh, in natural resources space, and we'll give you a free membership that includes access to the newsline and the networks and all those other things. At a minimum, it's a it's a free opportunity to get in and network with potential employers. Yeah. That last news line was 50-some pages on safety. And, man, it was a good good production. Good job. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's one, That's another exciting piece. You know, I think that, uh, as you talked about 2.0, maybe we, maybe there's a part two here. Oh, you know, no, there's definitely a part two. Where yeah. safety, the, the whole safety two concept that we're, uh, we're headed into, you know, for the mindset, that's another exciting opportunity for this industry and and the uvm space is adopting it extremely quickly coming out of uh some other industries out there and we're, we're leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of other industries you start to look at the safety one versus safety two and you're going to need both but that mindset of moving forward to where you know if you have an incident it used to be what did the employee do that caused the incident now we're looking more about did the system fail the employee did we fail the employee what do we need to do on these things and when we look at the workforce and the dwindling numbers coming at us in workforce and i think that's globally you're looking at headcount is down people headcount is down we look at birth rates there's fewer of us out there if over the next 18 years so we're going to need to treat our people correctly, and we're going to need to draw them in. And this safety two mindset, I think, gets us to that next step and the next. And also, I think it's going to drive safety to a whole nother level, uh, which is really exciting. And again, there's a whole lot of topic there. 
No, this is this is wonderful, Dennis. Thank you so much for making time today. And uh, yes, we are going to bother you for you know a 2.0 a, a second sort of episode to kind of dig into some of these other things that we kind of uh, that you you kind of mentioned. So yeah, I've written a whole uh, list of things we'd like to oh, talk yeah. to you about. Yeah, yeah. There's this. Like I said, we could do this for days with you. So thank you again for making time. Uh, really exciting things ahead. Can't wait to meet you in person. Yeah, likewise. Thanks again for having me. It was really a lot of fun. That's it for this episode of the Trees and Lines podcast, brought to you by Iapetus Infrastructure Services. If you like the show, please give us a rating of five stars on Apple or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments on any of our episodes or ideas for topics or guests in the future, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at treesandlines at iapetusllc.com chat with you soon.